a couple of years ago, I realized that I had a lot of fun hanging my day on the hooks of meals. Like, I know that I'm going to need these three meals. And so if I am scheduling enough time to do them right, then I can fit in the other parts of my day that make a little less sense. Veneers is a podcast about layers, hosted and created by Katy Perry and Alice Anderson. Each episode, we explore the layers of narrative that form everyday experiences and shape the people around us. My dad makes maple syrup for a living, and so it's very much an early spring tradition of getting the lines all ready and getting everything set up. And When I was small, my dad had a sugar house that we spent a lot of time at when sugar and season came around. Um, we would eat a lot of meals there. We had this big spool from the sap lines. We turned that into a table. And while we were boiling, we'd go out and take my dad's coffee cup, fill it with snow, and then come in and you're like, can we have some maple snow? And he'd just scoop out some of the not quite maple syrup onto the snow and we'd just eat it and get sugar high and love life. That's something that there was never any question of there being a shortage. There's always maple syrup, and maple syrup goes in everything. Um, yeah, I've never missed this sugaring season. I always plan on being around New England in early March. I'm Maggie. I live in Portland. I work in a bagel shop, and I like to eat food. I like to make food. I love to talk about food. I was raised on very wholesome rice, vegetables type stuff. Um, Mom would have an 11-pound bar of chocolate and a chisel in a drawer um, as the treat. Um, was I really like meringue, and that feels nostalgic because my mom, my mom would make these uh, bouche de Noël cakes, which is like chocolate cake and then a layer of chocolate frosting, and then you roll it up and then like frost it to make it look like a log. And so she'd make these little meringue mushrooms that would go on top, and they're like so crunchy and sweet. I love those. Uh, my name is Anna. And when I was born, my mom had a bakery and my dad had a woodworking shop right next to each other in Thompson's Point. And then they moved to Walton Street. Um, it was called Handmade Desserts and it was a full bakery. And then when I was 12, they closed it as a bakery and we moved in there. So my mom still would do, and she still does a little bit, just stuff to order, like wedding cakes sometimes, or um, just like a ton of My name is Derek Neller. I live in Lisbon Falls, and uh, cook at a restaurant and play music in my free time. My mom's from down south, and then my dad is born and raised Maine, so they both have different, very different foods. Like my mom was all about biscuits and gravy and grits with cheese and butter and then my dad was a more of a like cheesy tias is actually a coined term in my house and that literally is a tortilla with a large chunk of cheese on it melted in the microwave nothing else my dad is like you want some cheesy tias and he'll usually my dad has this theory that little kids need to eat a lot of lipids so that their brains develop so he would make us fortunate comfort food monstrosities child Crescent rolls. And they were called triple grease whammies. Stuffed with a mixture. It was. Two crackers. Cream Already cheese. Already the world's butteriest ass cracker. With and butter. And canned chicken. 
peanut butter. Very important that it was canned chicken. And mayonnaise. Inside of two crescent rolls. As if like one crescent roll wasn't bad enough, right? They're like, oh my gosh. And then um and then you bake it and then you eat it. And it's like creamy. Hunting family, however, we have one fairly solid way of dealing with vermin. Except that it's made with horrible things. We had a rabbit problem at my mom's house and a squirrel problem at my dad's house. So there was a lot of squirrel soup and a lot of rabbit stew. And since the squirrel problem was at my dad's house, it was about the most uninspiring iteration of squirrel stew. It was basically a couple squirrels boiled in water. (laughs) Squirrels actually turned me vegetarian (laughs) for a while there. I'm Lily Jocelyn, and I'm a butcher, a cooking and nutrition educator, and a food systems organizer we've always raised our own chickens when i was our neighbors raised these like beautiful orange longhorned highland cattle and they named every single cow and they would put the names of the cows on the packages so that we knew which cow we were eating and a lot of people would probably be really turned off by that and i never have been it was always just like it definitely made me feel interesting <laughs> as a kid to like get to go to work with my parents you know, meat comes but from then it animals, felt sort of strange like how much people assume i know about cooking form, that you wouldn't that assume about other people knowing about their parents job and i think if you work in a store like, it's normal to have an idea of people as customers, but I feel like I've always been around customers. Um, seventh grade was the first year that we lived there, and I would go to other people's houses and just be like, wow, like, this is just for them. I really missed having a house that was just for my family. I was thinking the other day about how many dishes we've washed, like, how many times I've washed out the metal bowls that I use for all of the cooking prep that I do. Um, My name is Micah and I'm the cook on Hurricane Island. Sometimes I call myself the food program manager. Here I think it's very important to to set the tempo of this community in as much as I can, um, knowing of course that everyone needs to eat and ideally, people are having a good time doing that together. Uh, but also, when things maybe are flying off the handle elsewhere, we at least can come around the warm constancy of meals together. My name's Aaron. I've been cooking for about five years. I work in a restaurant in Freeport that is very close to L.L. Bean. So there are a lot of people doing a lot of shopping and doing a lot of sightseeing. And we get very busy because our restaurant is dine-in and take-out. And so we will end up with just orders coming from every direction. In the summer, on like a weekday, we might do 240 tickets in a day. And on the weekends, it can get up to like 325 tickets. Our menu is like Greek, Italian, American. It's uh, the basic foods that you'd expect so if you went to like pizza, any a lot of Italian pastas, restaurant, and a lot of uh, like Alfredo's foods. and pestos, like There's burgers, scampis, and steaks, pizzas stuff like are the that. staple. Easy and to then feed you your have kids. The little Greek twist in there, like you have the euros and spanakopita. It's not like a normal kitchen. It's not very organized or like title based. It's just kind of like you have front of house and you have back of house there's no, I used like, to work our pizza unit uh, and our pasta and, salad uh, sandwich unit everyone has their but in the last year doing, I only else work on the other grill which is doing, probably the most stressful unit 
in the kitchen. It's a lot of there are so many communication between the salad unit and the grill unit. So many things you don't that are want heating up at so different these, rates. Like, onion rings to go up six minutes to before the pizza's at certain time. So it's I'll very loud and fast-paced and disorganized, but that's feeling okay, really great. And then uh, I'll look at the clock again and get five minutes until serving. Just get in there, get your job done as much as possible, and then at the end of the day, you have a beer, and it's okay. I started working at the pretzel stand at the mall from when I was 22 to when I was 24. I just figured since it was in the mall that it wasn't real somehow, but I got there the first day and I was like, oh, like they, they have the same mixer, they have the same like bags of flour everywhere that I was used to. Our customers always seem surprised that we made everything ourselves. People would say like, oh, I'm sure this is just like full of chemicals or something. I'm like, but the ingredients actually weren't. It was so just like bagel flour, is sugar, a small water, shop. Cheese. We bake between 40 and 60 dozen bagels a day. In the summer, that'll go up to 60 and 100 dozen a day. How a day looks for me is pretty varied, but I basically do a little bit of everything, including the early morning baking. I My day starts at, at 4 I do 6 when I hit like the snooze button for 20 minutes. I try minutes. and lay out my clothes the night before because searching for clean socks I get at to the kitchen at 6.30 and I panic a little. I turn on all of the ovens as well as the griddle. Usually, and that makes me feel a little bit better because kind of the industrial processes are are moving and I have a little bit of time to think about what I'm actually going to do. My go-to is pancakes. And so the students that we have out here are like, pancakes again? Yay! And I'm like, I'm so glad you feel that way. Breakfast is served at 8. And then it feels like at 8.10, everybody's done eating. You know, so you have this hour-long prep time where you're cutting everything down, heating everything up, and then people just polish that off really, really quickly. The Um, shop itself is on this, like, little country road in this town that most people who are from Maine haven't heard of or don't know where it is. It's central to the farms that we work with, so they um, source from two dozen local main farms that are generally small pasture-based or grass-fed operations. So we receive these quote-unquote whole animals in halves and you know we walk into our walk-in cooler and just like have these like rows of half animals waiting to be broken down at the beginning of the week. And each person when they come in just like works through what they can. We do a lot of fresh cuts so we stock our case with steaks and like pork chops and ribs and people rarely would say anything to to me about Um, like how strange it was that I like have a college degree and I was working at a food place in the mall but I am certain that lots of people must have been thinking that it was weird that I was doing that and I thought that too when I started there I was like what am I doing like, what does it really say about me time, that I think I'm better than this? I, like, imagining saying to people that I went to school with that, like, instead of saying, I work in the mall, saying, like, I work at a main-owned business where we make vegan baked goods We're trying to reconceive a food system that is better for everybody. But the shop is really dedicated to making sure that the food that people have available to them is as healthy and nourishing as it can be. And the best way to do that is to support farmers who raise animals that 
embody those values. So they're fed things that aren't destroying their bodies as like living beings and that the food that comes from them ultimately is good for the people who eat them. My family raised me vegetarian and so I didn't uh, eat I've gone through a lot of different dietary regimen changes. When I, when I got to college, the cafeteria food was really gross, so I switched to vegan. And I was My vegan for six college, years and then halfway like, through being I wonder vegan, if it would be hard to be a vegetarian. And so for a week, I didn't eat any meats. And I was like, oh, that's not that hard. And then I forgot that I was doing like, it. Like, I wasn't very strict, actually. Like, I would eat chicken soup. I just wouldn't eat the chicken part. Like, but I would never be like, oh, I can eat this one hamburger. It's fine. Because I'd be like, this one hamburger was like a living animal that had thoughts. I started adding in fish when I was vegan because when you're not eating I'm any animal products, personally you're not any vitamin trying 12, to figure out how to be conscious about encouraging the consumption of less so, um, meat that's a higher quality and being really able like to like put the right kind of value on that are, that makes it feel accessible to people who think that they can't pay more for good meat. I am coming to realize that my mom did do a fairly good job of teaching us how to eat healthy. And so now I am able to recognize how it feels when I've been eating healthy. And so I can eat shitty food, feel like shit, accept that that was the decision I made and that it was totally worth it. And I will probably do it again tomorrow. But if it wasn't worth it, then tomorrow I'll eat broccoli and rice for dinner. And then I'll feel better and then I'll eat a burger again. My friends wanted to do this diet, which is called keto, which stands for ketosis, which is when you have so few carbs in your diet that your body switches from using carbs to using fat as energy. So you have to eat a lot of fat and no carbs and a lot of protein. When you're first starting, you're supposed Having to Having the freedom eat to eat whatever the fuck I want is so incredibly important. And that if like the an food I wanted were making my body <laughs> look different from what it is, that's just what my body would look like to me. My friends wanted to do this to lose weight, and, like, of course that was part of it, why I did it, but I was also drawn in by, like, people said, like, I feel, like, so energetic, I don't need to have snacks anymore. Now like, where I'm at now, it's more of me looking of me. at each lit. meal. I like, like, I don't just, like, great. sit there and think, for my whole life, this is the diet that I will have. Instead, I'm, like, taking it apart by meal. I did it so for, like, three weeks, and then I was like, this morning, is hard. Oh, I don't want to do math have, like, for what I'm eating, but I also, like, really, I want to have a healthy diet, but I don't want to be somebody who has weird food restrictions. It's hard for me to see people struggling with wanting to eat something but worrying that it's going to affect how their Instead body being super looks. Because for I'll me it's like, well, right, if you so really want to eat really that, isn't that going to be more um, fulfilling than lunch, being able to like fit salad, into a size smaller pan? Like, I just I just don't get the trade-off There's so much of just physically what's good for you and then also like what's good for the environment and then like can you afford it? Are you actually going to do the work of going grocery shopping and making it for yourself? There's so much to keep track of. One thing I don't that know is incredibly time-consumptive is the, the grocery run. Because first we have to get on a boat. And then it takes half an hour to get to Rockland. And the seas are always a bit choppy. And the last time I tried to buy as many groceries as I needed to, I was not able to fit all of them in my car. I'll have two or three shopping carts at the same time, which I have to leave in strategic places around the store. Anytime I 
plan a meal, I have to go to the grocery store. I can't just be like, oh yeah, I have all this stuff at home that I can throw something together with. A lot of times I go grocery shopping without a list, which is a mistake. I even I wrote a grocery list all this crap I just like I haven't had time to walk to the eat. grocery store. Lately I've really been enjoying the, I'm hungry, I'm not super lazy, but I'm not going to go grocery shopping and I'm not going to go out of my way to make a meal. What with all of the random canned shit that I have on my shelves, the things I keep in my freezer, and the produce that has not gone bad. That's when the magic I happens in the, the kitchen a little bit where you like, like wow, I didn't think I make a concoction out of like the dregs of your pantry. I feel like right now I'm past my... I need to go grocery shopping because yesterday I ran out of cheese and tortillas. <laughs> um, oh, and arugula is something else I try to put on that. Last night I ate nachos at Ruski's for dinner because I got home and there was no food in my house. Like, the food that was in my house was, like, frozen waffles and unidentified leftovers that I can't even tell what they are in the fridge. And I just, like, looked around and I was like, I, I can't eat any of this. I feel like if I have bread and cheese, I'll just eat, like bread in the toaster oven with cheese on it but if i don't have bread it's like at a certain I don't point know what to i'm just eat. down to eating eggs again i ate a lot of eggs and onions eggs and cheese eggs and greens eggs and just bacon gonna make some eggs, eggs and toast right ways, now omelets, it, it's just eggs, the thing that eggs, makes the most eggs. sense most and days. at a certain point i'm like i can't eat another egg i have to buy something to make something besides eggs and that's when it happens I get my shit together and I go to the grocery store. My ideal situation is to go to a farmer's market and uh, I'll pick, I have to look at food and I have to think about when am I going to eat this, this how long is it going to last, all those sorts of things because like radishes, for example, I love radishes. Vegetables and like, I think like myself as somebody who goes to the farmer's market, even though I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I love the vegetables from there. They're so much better, really. But I, you know, would have to actually like go grocery shopping and cook in order to go to the farmer's market. So I don't do it that often, but like I believe in it, if that makes sense. Like I go to McDonald's more often than I go to farmer's market but i still think of myself as a farmer's market person (laughs) oh my god dan barber released this book the third plate that is this vision of the future of eating basically that reflects what we want to see happen in agriculture so um this movement from a corn-fed steak with steamed carrots which is like the old way of eating in america the second plate is farm to table which is a grass-fed beefsteak and heirloom carrots on the side and then the third plate is a carrot steak of all things whatever that is with a sauce made of beef seconds basically which is more representative of what the land is capable of providing in a way that doesn't destroy it ultimately (laughs) it's like you know very easy to to convey those messages in a high-end restaurant setting and is different to make this like truly healthy nourishing systemic way of eating accessible to reality now that i'm like grown and cooking for myself it totally blows my mind when i try to think about how many meals my mother and like her mother prepared every what day i've been thinking about a lot for lately a whole family. Is food as nourishment as opposed to food as art 
my grandmother and these used to the it didn't come out looking exactly how she thought she'd be like well it'll taste good um so i think about so that one something and comes out i'm actually a focusing messy. lately more on remembering that food is nourishment and that it doesn't always have to be perfect. i think the difference Sometimes to me is that kind of a uh, soup if that's just it looks really beautiful so it feels satisfying in a different way um it doesn't just feel like, made a, lot of like, it feels like or a treat one even if it's not meals, a treat food um and it's a little harder to make those look totally appetizing or beautiful um, so I do a lot of plating behind the grill, like, and it gets messy. Taste. And so putting out a plate that looks clean is difficult. But, you know, having some consistency with, like, the food you put out. I like doing hummus plates or tzatziki plates, olive oil plates. They're all the same. Just because uh, with those, you can kind of creatively put them together. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's not like a salad where it's Coming up with creative ways to play with different shapes on the plate to make salads look beautiful, make desserts look beautiful, and to have, you know, not all long skinny things on a salad, like mix up the geometry. I'm cheese here. I'm going to cut the tomatoes this way, and I'm going to line them in this pattern, and then here goes the cucumbers. We'll put them like that, and here's the I don't feel like it prevents me from wanting to eat a food, though. It's very appealing to me. It's like that extra mile, but it's not something that I get disgusted if a plate doesn't look beautiful. I think I thought I was a picky eater, and then I just sort of realized that I wasn't a picky eater. I was like, oh wait, no, I do like this food that I said that I didn't like. As far as like being forced to eat stuff, I remember my mom got really into green beans when I was in high school. I'm pretty sure green beans were a side vegetable for like three months straight. My anxiety is like, always okay, highest <laughs> right before people get their food because I'm really not sure if they're gonna like it. Um, cooking for students is especially interesting because it seems that a lot of younger people's food tolerances are a little bit lower. But if I can serve Enough Picky eaters rice, just need to broaden their horizons totally and accept that things are going to taste bad for a while, but eventually they'll figure out why they taste good. The so there's a lot of food okay that I have with made myself learn to like. I do not like carrots. I hate carrots. I Such try as to like eggs, it's like still carrots. a struggle. I don't like them, but I eat them all the time. <laughs> I taught myself to like olives. I also hate olives. Every time they were in front of me, I'd take a Can't small like bite. I, and it started I've out with, I would eat less than like an eighth of an olive and be like, I'll be like eh, prepping food at work that. and I'll be like, all right, I'm going to try And olive. then I slowly just upped my dosage until now I eat. And it's the fucking worst. HR easily. <laughs> Um, I think I really had a revelation about pickles um, and then not just pickles, but like how amazing the pickling process is and all the things that you can pickle, pickled dilly beans, pickled carrots, pickled radishes, and then also lacto fermented foods. So sauerkraut. I'm sure that many people will tell you when I was 16 that my food was terrible and, and it, so it was because I wouldn't eat it But, you know, it's just, it's just growing, you know, when you first start driving a car, you're probably going to crash it. And same with your food. You're going to mess up your food and that's fine that's how you figure out how not to mess up your food in some cases i like spicy foods now a lot more than i used to i didn't really spice my I'd food for a long time i think i was a little bit foods, intimidated by it I think my especially since i wasn't really focusing on increased a lot artful so cooking i was focusing that energy on baking or what i'm willing to and eat. so i sort of slowly added in so if i'm baking something here and there i usually just want to put like five times the vanilla extract just so much vanilla extract. I think it makes everything better. Cumin, coriander. I love coriander. Like turmeric, like coriander, cayenne, and I curry black powder. pepper in every single and thing that I cook. And then really good that is pepper. I've become a pepper snob. Really the only thing that I and heavily spice is chili. And I just don't to love smoked paprika that. more and more um, and more. And everything else I 
Yeah, it came in a pack of three, I think it was like garlic and one called kicking chicken and then one for your burger. seasoning. I use those a lot. Tastes good on I like cayenne so pepper for its purity, but then, it just makes uh, lately I've really liked really cilantro. So I've been using that in my steak marinades. Derek and I, Aaron and I both work uh, both work Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday Saturday, together. Sunday doubles. And then uh, we both have Monday off. So, so since it's Sunday night, it's just the end of our work week after we've just worked like 30 to 40 hours in the past. It's kind of days. our way of saying, wow, we made it through the weekend. And uh, in the winter, we have steak, but in the summer, we smoke cigars. And then the staple is always beer. But steak has been a nice substitute for the cigars. We call it Good Beer Sunday. Every Sunday. One of us someone will bring will get in the beer, beer someone will one get of us the steak, will bring and then we'll switch back off the next week, and then, you and know. And we will cook the steak and drink the beer. And every week we've done it differently, like done a different type of steak or done a marinade differently. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun way to explore that's been really just nice. different ways to do so steak, because if you do it every week, you're going to get tired of doing, like, even if it's a good marinade, you're going to get tired of it. You're going to want to explore a little bit more, so it gives us a chance to kind of get a little weird with uh, how we're looking at steak, and sometimes it's, you're like, okay, that was interesting. And other times you're like, wow, that was really good. And I'm drawing uh, One of my stress-relieving activities is reading cookbooks. I always start with Joy of Cooking. Um, and then I have a couple hippie cookbooks that have a lot of the food that I was really raised on and that are actually fairly solid if you ignore the whole wheat suggestions. I'm always going to read at least three different recipes and choose the one that has probably the I most I like butter. reading recipes also just to get a sense of like combinations of things. But then I oscillate to the total other side of that where I'm like, I have polenta, a can of tomatillos, and a can of adobo and chipotle peppers. I'm just going to make those into one dish. Um, so I also love like just totally inventing stuff and going off off book. I don't really know what people are talking about when they say that they don't know how to cook or that they learned to cook. I don't know if people would think I know how to cook or not. It's like, do I know how to cook what? Because I'm not much of a recipe follower, I don't have any recipes committed to memory. Or I don't know any recipes by heart, but I know them by sense. Um, so I would say the one that stands out to me is a dear family friend taught me how to make black beans and these black beans, I would rather eat them than eat pretty much anything. And what she said to me when she was teaching me was, um, don't be shy or cautious with your salt or your olive oil because all that will do is make it not taste good and be patient that kind of informs all of my cooking, actually. So I'd like don't to be teach shy, but be at least shy. one of the staff how to pressure cook beans properly, knowing that it's been such a part of the way that I've found ways to stretch meals when, you know, 10 new people show up or accommodate many different dietary restrictions. I'm really excited to kind of pass that along, if possible. Um, because it's somewhat intricate, but it's totally doable. There's only everything to learn when it comes to food. That's why I'm like personally fed so much by working with food, not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically and socially and otherwise. And the ability for people who don't otherwise totally understand each other to forge that connection through food is immutable. It's amazing to me. Special thanks to our contributors, Aaron, Anna, Derek, Lily, Maggie, and Micah, 
for sharing their thoughts with us.